And I'd rather be here tonight because I believe it's God's will. Appreciate God's spirit. We need to ask him to take over. I, well, I went home last night and studied about four this morning, and then the Lord's not going to have me to preach a new sermon maybe tomorrow night, I hope so. And uh, I was looking forward to preaching it tonight, but I want to obey the Lord. What I want to preach on tonight is for the lost and saved both. And uh, I love this story. This has got a hold of me. I've been preaching this for the last little while. And uh, I, I've never got to the bottom of this yet. Probably ain't going to. Here in Matthew 15, verse number 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Probably not a story in the New Testament that is easier misunderstood than this. Anytime you see something that seems so unlike Christ, there's a profound message here. One of the most profound of all. Verse 28, Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I didn't read verse 27. Let me go back and read verse 26 because if you don't get that, you'll miss this whole thing. He answered and said, it is not meat. That means it's not good or proper to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Two times in the New Testament, Christ commended two people for having great faith, and they both were Gentiles. You know what the Bible says? The Bible commended the woman at Zarephath because there wasn't a woman in all of Israel had the faith she had to take care of Elijah. Isn't that amazing? Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. Her daughters made whole from that very hour. Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. I want to talk to you a little bit on learning the principles of prayer from a dog. Amen. Learning the principles of prayer from a dog. I wrote this down sitting back yonder. When making a request from a person, often the determinant factor in receiving the petition is how you approach them. 
I believe of all the things you could talk about prayer, one of the most important of all is how you approach God. I heard a man make this statement one time. He said, you can't really pray without worshiping and you can't really worship without praying. And I believe that's right. I believe so many times I've went to God. I've tried to repent of this for the last month. Many times I've went to God in arrogancy. I've gone to God in pride and I've not done what I preached for years. And the two most important things when you approach God, number one is remember who he is and who you are. When we go to God, there ought to be that awe-stricken amazement that the Lord would let us in his presence. All you've got to do is study the tabernacle and the temple to know the awesome privilege we've got and the access we've got to God today. Now in Matthew 15 and verse 21, the Lord enters the coast of Tyre and Sidon. This woman comes and cries unto him saying, have mercy on me. O Lord, thou son of David, uh, and my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now there's three progressions that takes place here in this woman learning how to receive from God what she desires. I think about tonight, how long's it been since we've known that God heard us and God answered us. I'm very interested tonight in learning better how to get things from God because he's the one that can provide what I need. This woman comes, her daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. That word means uh, this is the worst kind of demon possession that a person can be possessed of. Here's a woman, broken hearted, desiring help from Christ that the Lord would touch her daughter. What does Christ do? He answers her, not her word. Now you think about the dilemma this woman's in. Think about the courage it took for her to finally go to Christ. Think about all of the obstacles she no doubt faced in her mind as the devil put every roadblock he could in front of her. Her daughter is so grievously vexed with the devil. She can't even bring her daughter with her to the Lord Jesus. But look at these obstacles in Mark 7, she was a Greek, a Syrophoenician woman by nation. In Matthew 15, she's a woman of Canaan. There's that appalling Canaanite. That's what this woman was. She comes and appeals to a man, not just a man, but a Jewish man. And this was against the custom of that day. And then notice how the Jews and how the Canaanites had been bitter enemies for thousands of years. This is one of the most amazing stories in the New Testament. How did this woman know that Christ had not a prejudiced bone in his body? How did she know that the Lord was different from other people? How did she know that Christ would be open-hearted to her? 
How did she have any hope that she would get a hearing from the Messiah? That's what she called him, her dilemma, and then her desperation. Notice here, she approaches the Lord with this designation. She says, Thou uh, king, uh, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. How does she come? She comes as a royal subject. The problem with that is she's not a royal subject. She's not even a Jew. She's a Gentile. And the Bible lets us know that. Now these are days of demonic activity. The great days of a new dispensation or a new work of God is always accompanied with demonism and revival of it. We're seeing in the day we're living in an increased revival in America in demonism like never before. That's the oppression. That's the opposition. When you leave even the confines of the south, it's even worse up north and out west. I mean, it's heartbreaking. The oppression that's on this land. And now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I think about tonight, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm sure there's mothers in this building, got wayward boys, and there's not a thing they can do to turn them around and got girls and daughters whom they love. I mean, just a few days ago, daddy was taking his little boy to Little League Baseball practice, and now he looks like somebody from a freak show with no respect and cursing his dad. Here's a little girl who used to, mom and dad would take down to the little ice cream parlor, and boy, they'd just say it and thank God for the little family they've got. Now that girl is a rebel, and uh, her own mother fears her life when she's around her. How do you explain that? I'll tell you, how do you explain that? It's demonism of our day. And folks, listen to me. I can't help you. The preacher can't help you. The church can't help you. There's only one that can help your daughter and help your son and help you tonight. And that's Jesus of Nazareth. He's the only one. And that's who we've got to seek. But oh, I'm going to seek him. Help my children, my husband, my wife, my family, those I love have got to have Christ. I've got to learn how to approach him and get from him what I need for his glory. She comes seeking the Messiah. She comes seeking mercy and she comes seeking a miracle. Boy, that's right. She believed that Christ was a miracle worker. How the Pharisees might not have, how the Sadducees might not have, but thank God this little Canaanitish woman believed that Christ could perform a miracle and she come believing and she come expecting and she come just knowing that Christ was going to do something for her, her little daughter. Oh, I thank God for this story. You think about the love of a mother for her daughter or her son. I mean, this woman is pouring out her heart to the Lord and the Lord, it says, he answered her, not a word. For the silence of God can multiply the doubts and the darts within 
minutes when God is seemingly silent, how the devil plays havoc upon that, how he throws questions about God's integrity and the reliability of his word and his love for you and for me. For the why questions about God cannot be fully answered in this life. Why did Christ answer her? Not a word because he knew in 2010 that a proud, cocky, arrogant nation like America would need to learn how to approach God. He knew that somebody full of pride like me would need to be reminded if I'm going to get to God, I've got to know who I'm talking to and know how to approach him. Boy, tonight I weep over the pride of my heart after 29 years of preaching the gospel. Oh, I would to God. I was more humble before him and recognized his greatness more and my littleness more. I told my boy last night, the way you see God bigger is to see yourself smaller. And that's what I've got to see. May God help us to know that God sees the big picture. He doesn't just see that little girl that's demon-possessed and demon-oppressed. He sees that Canaanitish mother. He's going to do a work for that girl. But first of all, he's going to work on mother and get her where she needs to be. Oh, the blessing. God seeks the greatest glory. Remember that in your conversion and my conversion. God seeks the greatest glory. John chapter 11 tells about Lazarus. And uh, the Bible says in verse 4, when Jesus heard uh, that he said this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. When he heard, therefore, he was sick. He abode two days still in the same place where he was. You know why Christ did that? Because he's so tender hearted. If he'd have been there, he'd have touched old Lazarus. Boy, they'd have got to crying on him. And our Lord is so long suffering. And he's so tender. And he's so kind. And he's so gentle. I'll ask you a question. What brought greater glory? Christ uh, healing Lazarus or Christ resurrected him from the dead. You know the obvious answer to that. It's Christ resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. Brother Mike, we get in these situations where it looks like there's no way out and there's no escape. You know why God lets that happen? That he might receive the greater glory and you might get blessed with a greater blessing. Do you reckon that Mary and Martha appreciated Christ more if he had healed Lazarus or when he resurrected him from the dead? Do you reckon a little wife will appreciate Christ more if her husband quits running wild and playing poker and wasting the money or if God saves him by grace and changes him on the inside, resurrects him from the dead and puts life with in him. It's worth the wait to get the grace.
greater glory. It's worth the wait to get the greater blessing. And God is not just interested in saving your husband, saving your wife, saving your children. He wants to make a great saint out of you and use you as an example of faith to your friends. The third reason that God is sometimes silent is to refine and to mature our faith. This woman is being taught to live by faith, not by sight, to live by faith and not by emotions. I'll tell you the greatest emotion in all the world, even greater than praising God in a worship service. It's when you get before him and the floods of God's love just come over you and you're humbled at the presence of God Almighty. And what God uses to get us to that place, hallelujah, will be worth it all. Thank God for the pause of God in our life. Thank God for the times he's called time out and got us to the place that our faith was matured. Those times and periods of silence where God spoke more being silent than if he'd have said something or revealing himself. Hey, think about the Psalms. What do you find in the Psalms? In many verses, you'll find that word Selah. What's that for? That means to pause. That means to stop. That means to meditate. That means to think on what you've read. Let me read this verse in Luke 18, verse 7. Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Now, what does that word speedily mean? Well, someone says that means he'll answer fast. I know what that means. If you've been waiting on God to answer a prayer for 50 years, it ain't fast. That word speedily. He will hear answer them speedily. It means at the right time. It means at the perfect time. That's what that means. Boy, can you trust him enough to save you? Then can you trust him enough that he knows how to answer our prayers? Books are not all print. Thank God for the white spaces between the words and between the sentences. How could you read a book if it was all print? It'd be difficult to find the emphasis and the emphasis of life are brought about by the silence of God. And you'll never forget it. You'll never forget what you learned. You'll never forget how God got nearer and dearer. How you loved him more than you ever did. Christ here does not speak to her. I want to show you something in this story. Though Christ did not speak to her, she knew that he was there. Oh, thank God for that. There's been a lot of times it's like I couldn't hear from God, but I knew he is there. Hallelujah. Oh, that'll help you till he says something that know that he's there, that he'll never leave you and never forsake you and go with you all the way. That's what gives you hope and love and grace. Oh, thank God that he's there and that he loves you. Here comes the devil, a sowing doubt and accusing us. In reality, God, though he 
is never silent. I've got 66 books called the Word of God, and God's never silent. Not in that perspective, but He's silent sometimes in prayer. Oh, thank God for the day when God gives you that revelation and lets you understand what God's done, and you see God's perfect wisdom of how He did it. Now, the first way the Lord matures our faith is by seeming or apparent silence. The second way is by an apparent or seeming rejection. Boy, when I think about this woman, I think about my life, your life. If you hadn't been there, you're going to be. If you start seeking God to walk deep with God, you'll experience these three phases. This woman did. In Matthew 15, verse 23, he answered her, not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she cried after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sin, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, Help me. But he answered and said, It is not meat, but to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Have you ever been there when you tried to get saved and you cried out, God, help me. God, save me. And it's like God didn't hear you. Hey, it's not that God's broke his promise. Hey, it's the fact that repentance isn't quite worked in your heart like it needs to be or faith in Christ has not been fully given. But thank God be like this Syrophoenician Canaanite woman and don't give up. Let's keep us seeking him like she did. And like that old song they used to sing when I was a boy, I would not be denied till Jesus came and made me whole. I would not be denied. Listen to Mark 7, 24. He entered into a house and would no man know it, but he could not be hid. You know what? The Holy Ghost advertises himself. You don't have to advertise revival. It advertises itself. The disciples wanted rest. They wanted to get away from the crowd. Boy, they're tired of the antagonism of the Sadducees. That bunch of didn't believe in angels in the resurrection. Now, there's a bunch of liberals theologically. They're so tired more so of the nitpicking Pharisees. Have it cared more about it, the external than the internal. Hey, what that crowd, they didn't need Moses. They needed Christ. They didn't know. They need to know the regulation of Moses. They need to know the liberating power of Christ. And these disciples were so leery with them, that bunch and just frustrated. And the Lord was too. But thank God, here comes a seeking sinner. And the Lord's never turned one down yet. And he never will. He came for those that the Jews hated. He came for those they were prejudiced against. He came for those that were called dogs. He came for those that nobody loved. He came for those that had no money. He came for those had no power, prestige, or religious ritual ceremony and understanding and performance. He came, thank God, for people like this Syrophoenician woman. And the Lord's going to illustrate his great grace for fallen humanity through this woman. As she comes to Christ, this teaches her and us and the disciples real faith. 
but real perseverance in prayer. Now again, there's something about this story I can't get a hold of. How did she know all this stuff? She understood more about Christ than his own disciples did. How was that? I guess it's like Jesus said of Simon Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon, of Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. Here we see the selfishness of the disciples and the pride of the disciples. Here's what they said. They said, Send her away to Christ, for she cried after us. I'll tell you right now, this Syrophoenician woman wasn't crying after the disciples. She didn't come to see them. She came to see Christ. She's a crime after Jesus. There's still an attraction when the Holy Ghost lifts him up and lets sinners know the glory of his grace and the depth of his love. That's who they come for. That's who they want. That's who they desire not to join a church and get some man to lay their hands on them. Thank God it's getting to Christ. That's the answer to our problems in this world. Well, here she comes. She's doing better now. She first came in like a royal subject. Now she's coming and uh, she's worshiping the Lord. Well, it looks like she's got there now. Well, she ain't. Jesus said, I'm sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You're a Gentile. You're not a Jew. My father did not send me to the Jew or to the Gentile, but to the Jew. But faith will not take no for an answer. But that's right. But when you really believe God, you know God's put something in your heart. Listen to me. This woman's not wasting her time, and she knows she's not. She's God's put done something to her heart, and she's come for an answer, and she's not leaving until the answer comes. If God has got to work on her a while before the answer comes, she's willing to go through that, but she just knows that little girl she brought into the world is grievously vexed of a devil, and that little girl's got to have help, and only Christ can help her. Unanswered prayer is not unaccepted prayer many times. Christ has got a ministry first to the Jews. Now, don't never forget this. This is alliterated. First of all, M, Christ had the ministry to the Jews, but he always had mercy on Gentiles. You know why? Because God's a God of love. This woman's got a dilemma. She's got a desperation. She's got a despair. She's got, how about she had hope beyond despair. Notice, she said, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed uh, with the devil. Here she comes. But the problem is, this woman has no claim on Christ. He's the Messiah, but he's the Messiah to the nation of Israel. Christ answered her. 
her. Not a word. Then the disciples implore him to send her away. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. You study that word worship in the Bible. It's always got the idea of surrender and sacrifice. What did Abraham say when he went to Mount Moriah? He said, me and the lad are going to go worship. What are they going to do? They're going to go die, die to their flesh and die to their self. That Christ may be all in all. Oh, worship has the idea of, of a towards and also of a kiss. It's got the idea of affection and adoration. It's love from the heart for Christ. What does, when you see worship in the Bible, how uh, you always see somebody humbling themselves before God. Amen. She worships and she begins to worship. Her faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. When you go to God in prayer, child of God, and it seems like that the Lord's not hearing you, just call time out and get to bragging on the Lord and get to worshiping him and showing him affection. I'll guarantee you, uh, you might not even get around to what you come for, that you'll leave there strengthened in faith and you'll love God with a greater love. Now this woman said, Lord, help me. She didn't say Messiah. She said, Lord, help me. You know what them Caesareas? Child of God, sinner friend. We need to learn how to say Lord more than we need to say help me. It's how you say that word Lord that's important. Hey, that's not just a name for God. That means, praise God, he's the creator of the universe. He's in charge and he's got all power. Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Just think about this for a moment. All the power of this earth, all the power of the wind, all the power of the rain, all the power of the sun, all the power of the moon, all bowed down to the authority of Jesus Christ in heaven and in earth. Never been a devil. That Christ couldn't just say the word and that devil flee. This woman believed that. This mother believed that. Oh, that we'd see him as Lord. And when we see him as Lord, it's, there's no problem to say, help me in the right way. Notice the second time she comes, she didn't come saying anything about Christ's kingdom. She's not talking about the Messiah and ruling and reigning. No, sir. Boy, you know what the Lord's going to do? He's going to look, folks, if we could get a hold of this. He's going to use the situation of this woman's daughter in order to develop the faith of the mother in Mark chapter 9, there's a man brings a demon-possessed boy. That boy is so full of a devil that every time he passes the water, the devil inside of him tries to drown him. Every time he goes by the fire, that demon throws him in the fire. Oftentimes, the Bible said that boy had been thrown in the fire and in the water. That's suicide. That's how that old demon of suicide is on that boy to destroy him before Christ could get to him. But notice, this man 
man in Mark 9 comes with this boy beside of him. The disciples could not help him. But notice, he got his eyes off that boy and got his eyes on Christ. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Oh, God, we'll hear an honest prayer like that. Lord, I don't have the faith all to have, and I'm sorry about it, but I want you to help my unbelief because I want to believe you. Lord, Adam, sold me out. I've got a depraved, wicked, fallen nature. Lord, you know what I'm up against. Oh, God, have mercy. Oh, God, help me. Oh, Lord, how can I help my son? How can I help my daughter? I know, God, you help me first. That's the uh, the very emphasis of this story. You know why God gave you children? One reason is to let you know your need of God. You know how God set up the family? God set up the husband-wife relationship so you would know intimate fellowship with God. You know why God set up the parent-child relationship? So that you would have the honor of supplying that child's needs. Understanding how they need you is how you need God. Then thirdly and lastly, the Lord's helping this woman by his apparent or seeming insult. In Matthew 15, 26, he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now the children here are the children of Israel. Christ called her a dog because that's what the Jews called them. And the Lord is not trying to provoke her or insult her. He's trying to let her know what his people think of her. Also to drive home this great lesson of humility. The Syrophoenician woman has no rightful uh, national rights. Had a go to Christ, no religious rights. Has a Gentile, no citizen rights. Has a Canaanite. Oh, what a painful test of her faith, but a perfect test of Christ's faithfulness. When my faith is weak, he's always faithful. And we've got to believe that. Verse 27, and she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Man, what a response. Folks, if you can never get a hold of this, this is it. She turns the Lord's words back on him. You know how you really pray? You pray while holding up the promises of God. Now, did you notice what she did? She did whatever sinner in this building's got to do. And every child of God, the Lord said, you're a dog. And she said, Lord, you're right. I'm a dog. When the Lord comes to you and says, you're a sinner, why do you sit there and say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so? You're going to go to hell with that foolishness. When God says you're a sinner worthy of hell, just agree with him. Right. Agree that he's right. Agree that what he said is the right surmise. You don't know your heart, but he does. Notice she agrees with the Lord. The Lord said, why it's not me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Yet, Lord, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs that 
fought in the master's table. Oh, she said, Lord, I might be a dog, but I'm your dog. Amen. Oh, she's trusting in the grace of God, and I might be a dog tonight, but I'm the master's dog, and I'm under the master's table, and he's my master, and he'll not just give me crumbs, he'll give me more than that. Oh, that's confidence and faith in the grace and the mercy of God. You know what she said right here? She said, Lord, here's how much faith I got in you. A crumb will be enough. A crumb will be enough. I heard a man preach his sermon not long back, and it just come to me what he said. He said, if you take a crumb, it's got the same ingredients as the whole loaf. You can send the crumb off to a lab and it's got the same ingredients as the cake or as the loaf. She said, Lord, you're right. I am a beggar. Boy, notice she didn't come with a clenched fist. She came with an open hand. She didn't come trying to justify herself. She come admitting what she was. Oh, thank God for this woman that God honest had enough faith in God. Lord, I don't need a loaf. I just need a crumb. You've got so much power that just the crumb of your blessing will get the job done. Heard this story of a preacher and it really it really uh, sets forth the right emphasis here. There's a preacher and I don't know, I believe he's up in his 60s now. He told this story about his dad. His dad was nine years old so this is a long time ago. He is over in Europe, I believe it's Scotland. He said one day of course, they were having all kinds of starvation and, and uh, deprivation in the nation at that time. As a beggar came to the door and knocked on the door. And that little boy, nine-year-old boy, this preacher's daddy at the time, goes to the door here in that knock. And he opens the door and he sees a man in rags, dirty face, tears running down his cheeks. And he says, son... Would you go get your mother to give me a sandwich? So the little boy runs into the kitchen. Says, Mama, there's a beggar out here. And he's asking for a sandwich. She said, you go tell that beggar we're just as poor as he is. And he goes back and says, Sir, my mama told me to tell you that we're just as poor as you are. And he started to close the door. And that beggar stuck his foot in the door. And he said, Son... Go ask your mama if she'll just give me a slice of bread. And the boy runs back in there and said, Mama, he's not asking for a sandwich now. He's asking for a slice of bread. She said, Son, you go make that man a sandwich. That's a real beggar. Boy, that's what I'm talking about. When you approach God, you don't come to God like God does about half. You can do the other half. You come as a beggar to a king pleading for his mercy, knowing that if God doesn't do something, you're out of business. Boy, isn't that the way Jesus is? You keep knocking at the door of grace. This woman's pleading with Christ. Praise God. You know what she's saying? She says, Lord, I'm in the house. I might be a dog, but I'm in the house. And your children brought me in. (laughs) Hey. In those days, really what this is about, this isn't a scavenger dog the Lord's talking about. He's talking about a dog that the children's made a pet out of. And they brought this dog in the house. 
And uh, uh, this woman confirms what the Lord said. She said, but Lord, you said that the children, it's not meat to take their bread and give to dogs. But Lord, your children brought me in the house. It's the nation of Israel. That brought us Gentiles into the house. It's the people of God. That brought me into the house. My mother, my daddy, the preachers, I sat under. Thank God for the children of God that got me to the house and let me see, praise God, there's bread on the table. And because the master's there, he's not going to give me a crop. He's going to give me what I need. Boy, ain't nothing begs like a dog that's hungry. Now, are you listening to me? You say, that's beneath me. You had not learned a thing from this story yet. You come to God, sometimes you just need to beg. You hear an old sinner saying, please, Lord, save me. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Not if you know what you deserve. Oh, listen to me. Bread in the Bible represents life. Lord, just a crumb, just a crumb of your power. Just a crumb of your grace. Just a crumb of your glory. Jesus is talking to this woman and she says, if I can't have the whole loaf, give me a crumb. Lord, if I can't see my husband saved tonight, if I can't see my children saved tonight, just give me a crumb. Just give me the assurance that you're going to do it. Lord, if you're not going to give me deliverance tonight, just let the joy swell up in my soul and the crumb of assurance that you're going to do it. Sometimes that's what we need. Hey, if you knock one time, you don't want much. I tell you, keep a knock out and keep believing and keep a going and Christ will hear. Oh, I thank God for the fact of that. Notice, he'll answer them speedily. As I said at the right time, that's when uh, the Lord uh, will do it. Uh, if a man will give a dog a crumb, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? When God the Father gave me Christ, he gave the best he had. What else will God not give me? If you give me Christ. He'll give me whatever I need. But it's the way I come. It's the attitude of my heart that determines many times whether I get the answer. Lord, I'm a dog but I'm under your table. And you know what? Lord, I already know about you. See, that's that's the, that, that's what this woman's banking on. She knows him. She knows he's full of grace and full of goodness and generosity. And she says, Lord, I know if I get under your table that you'll feed me because you're too good not to. Oh, that's the story here. Matthew 15, 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Mark 7, 28, get the dogs under the table, eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, for this saying, go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. I'll tell you, Christ gave her the key to the storehouse. Not only did she leave with a loaf for herself, she didn't leave with a crumb she lived with a loaf for herself and a loaf for her daughter oh thank God he always gives more than we ask for he always gives exceeding and abundantly and above all we could ever ask or think you say well I need ten dollars I'm going to tell you something one blessing of God's worth more than ten trillion being around God's presence worth more than all the money on Wall Street 
The spiritual blessings are the most important ones. Look at this progression. I'm about done. Verse 23. He answered her not a word. Verse 24. But he answered and said, I'm not sent but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 26. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Verse 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I want to ask you a question. Are we willing to listen to God's answers even when they're not what we want to hear? You know what the Lord's doing in this story, don't you? He's showing this woman the truth about herself. That's what that's about. It's not about her daughter. It's about her. A lot of times we're begging God to save our loved ones. Our loved ones ain't our problem. It's us. He's got to get us where we need to be. It's hard to accept the truth about yourself. It is hard to hate the sin in your life like you hate it in everybody else's life. Did you hear what I just said? How long's it been since you really got an answer prior from God? How long's it been since you've heard from heaven? When God's saying nothing, he's saying a whole lot. When God's withholding the answer, he's saying a whole lot. She didn't give up. At the apparent silence of Christ, she didn't give up at the disciples' unconcern and selfishness. She didn't give up the apparent rejection of Christ and the apparent insult. Delays and us giving up reveals our shallowness. And here it is, Brother Jesse. When I come to God, I come with this attitude, Lord, when I got here, I came deserving nothing. And if I deserve nothing, a crumb is better than nothing. Folks, it's her attitude. I'll tell you one thing. You can go boldly before God, but you will not go arrogantly. Going boldly before the throne of grace is you've got confidence you can go in through Christ and through his blood. But when you get there, you bow your head. Oh, you ain't commanding him to do nothing. You ask him humbly. Lord, I humble my heart. My cousin's husband, I've been telling this story. This happened about three weeks ago. Cousin's husband called me and he said, you know, we're fixing to build and we were building, we were going to dig a well and the well's right down here beside the creek. And he said, man, I hadn't, didn't even think that we could possibly, Wesley, have a problem digging that well. It's right beside of the water. He said, the man called me the next day and said, sir, I've, I've went down 600 feet, hadn't found any water yet. And my cousin's husband said, you just hold on, don't do another thing until in the morning when I get there. And he got there and he walked down there under conviction. He didn't know that man knew God. He didn't know anything about the, the well digger. But he said, sir, I haven't asked God one time to let us find water. He said, I'm so ashamed. I took it for granted that you'd find the water. He said, don't you do a thing. I'm going to the house and praying. <laughs> 
And that man said, I'll go a hundred more feet down. If I don't find water, I won't charge him. That man was a Christian. And while my cousin husband's gone to the house, umbling, umbling. That's an umbling thing, Brother Eric, for him to tell the well digger, I am a Christian. And I didn't even pray about it. That's what God likes. While he's up there umbling his heart before God, he got to hold that old well digger and he got to pray. He went down 70 or 80, 80 more feet and found a huge, 85 feet, found a huge vein of water. How long has it been since you came to Christ in humility? She came, first of all, as a royal subject. Then she came as a servant. I said all that to get right here. Lord, I'm your royal subject. And the Lord didn't even look at her. Didn't even answer then she said, Lord, I'm your servant. I didn't know what the Lord's listening. She finally said, Lord, I'm just a sinner. <laughs> and she got the bread. 